This morning we'll be taking a, a little break from Revelation as we turn our attention to discussion on fathers. This morning I, I hope to do uh, a couple things uh, in, in way of uh, understanding how I've kind of organized my, my thoughts around this. Uh, I want us to, to kind of primarily look at our Heavenly Father as the model. Uh, I believe God is our model for what a father should be. He is our heavenly father. And for those of us who are fathers, those of us who will be fathers, uh, I want us to kind of use that as the model. So we'll, we'll look at the Lord and then we'll, we'll talk about what that means for, for us as fathers. Happy Father's Day to you. I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad to see my father is, is here today, my earthly father. I appreciate so much what fathers do for us in our lives. And as I preached to you this morning on fathers, I, I fully understand that as, as uh, Pastor Womble was praying, we, we don't all have a perfect role model uh, in the earthly father, right? Many of us have, have challenged relationships I have two children in my home who, who do not know their, their birth father. And so it is with a sense of weight that I understand what it means to be a father. It is a sense uh, of understanding that all of us have different views potentially on what it means to be a father and who a father is. And so to kind of level set, to lay us a nice foundation, I want us to begin by trying to set our own feelings of those things aside and take a look at what God's word says. So we're going to begin by just quickly laying out what is a father, how do we understand the role of the father, and how God has told us those things are to be in his word. So for a foundation, we need to understand that God had families in mind when he created man and woman. He had them in mind before the foundations of the earth. If we read in the creation story in Genesis, we see that as God created Adam out of the dust, as he breathed life into him, he realized that Adam needed a helper. And it's not a realization that surprised God. God knew this beforehand. And so God would create woman out of the rib of the man, and he created them male and female. And he brought them together in what we see as the first marriage, the first union. Scripture specifically talks about this is why a a man and a woman will leave their parents and they will be united and become one flesh because as they were created, they are one flesh. The father would be the husband in the role of the family and the the mother or the wife would, would, would have her role in the family, and that at some point, and as we read in the creation story, there would be children. And we certainly understand that these children may be natural, they may be foster, they may be adoptive. God brings these children into our lives as, as parents in different ways, but we see the children having their role in the family as well. So the fathers are the head of the family, as Christ is the head of the church. And as the church submits to Christ, wives are also to submit to their husbands in everything, in his leadership in the home. Husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. 
And when we say gave himself up, I hope that we understand that the giving up of himself meant the laying down of his life. And so the role of the husband is not to lord over, but to care and to love and to teach. Husbands are to do these things for wives and for their families the way that they would care for their own bodies, the same way that Christ cares for the church. And try as our world might to get us to think otherwise about these roles that God has created, it doesn't change the truth. It doesn't change the fact that God has established these things, that he created these things, that he is the one who defined these things. So we are to use that as our foundation as we begin to now turn our attention to fathers. Try as we might, no father is perfect, right? This isn't a knock against dear old dad. It's just part of being human. We're all, we're all sinners. And as dads, we sometimes say the wrong thing. Believe it or not, it happens, right? Dads, dads sometimes say the wrong thing at the wrong time. Sometimes we say a little too much. If you ask my kids, sometimes when we're supposed to have a brief family meeting and a conversation, those can turn into a mini-series. And I appreciate their patience and love for enduring those. Sometimes when we should speak, we don't say anything. Sometimes we're accused of, of not participating in the conversation and getting involved, especially when the wife is doing such a great job of disciplining. We aren't always able to be there when we would want to be there because we have obligations outside the home, work, sometimes our hobbies take us away, but we're not always able to be there. And if I'm to be honest today, sometimes we can be less than sympathetic when one of our kids is sick or gets sick in the car while we're driving home from Florida. We can be a bit impatient, but we are not called to use those things as our standard for what good dad looks like, right? You're not comparing good dad by looking around in this room trying to find good dad and emulate someone in this room because we all have shortcomings. We might have people who might be a role model of sorts for us, but ultimately, all earthly fathers are going to have shortcomings, so then how do we learn? How do we grow? What do we model ourselves after if it were not for God providing himself as the perfect role model for what a father should be? And it's with that in mind that we're going to look today at God as the perfect role model and then our earthly fathers to see what we should be in light of who God is. We should be men who are faithfully following our heavenly Father. And if we do that, we will be transformed into his likeness and will become the faithful followers or faithful fathers that our families need. I want us to think about three things this morning. Three things through three ways that can be faithful fathers. First, faithful fathers provide. If we look in scripture, there are over 165 different scriptures that speak to different ways that God has provided for us. As a creator of heaven and earth, God has literally provided 
everything that we have, the breath in our lungs, the food that we ate this morning, the clothes that we have on, everything that we have was provided by God. And God provides for these basic needs, food, clothing, shelter, love. Scripture tells us that God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And while we sometimes might say we don't have everything or we might know of situations where people are in need, we need to remember that God, even in their need, is still providing all that they have. And God doesn't just provide for these basic needs. He, he also provides for things that we might want. These are things that are beyond necessities. These are things that are hard to distinguish for kids. And frankly, a lot of times for adults. Do we really need that or we, do we just want that, right? Uh, we have that conversation with, with our kids a lot about things that we need and want. And God, who is gracious and merciful, provides more than we can imagine, is what Scripture says. Even more than we have in our heart, even more than we have in our mind that, that we would want, God is providing more. He provides richly everything for us to enjoy. And as we think about all that God has provided, I want to continue to draw us to the cross when we think about what God has done for us and what he has provided for us because he did not spare his own son to ransom us. He did not consider that too expensive, too much of a cost to redeem some rebellious, sinful people. But he gave him up for all of us. How will he not also be gracious and give us other things as well? Now, this is not a prescription for you to go prayer walk a car at a car lot or to show up at a next open house and claim that this house is yours. This is merely for us to realize that God provides us everything that we need, and he provides us more than we need and more than we can imagine. And he has blessed us with things that are more valuable than the possessions that we sometimes seek after. If you need further proof that God is the ultimate provider, I'd like to point you to Genesis 22. In Genesis 22, we have the story of Abraham. Abraham had been commanded by God to sacrifice his son of promise, his one son that God had promised him. And Abraham had him at a very old age, well beyond what should have been possible for, for childbearing. He had finally provided Isaac, his son. And God asked him to give him as a sacrifice. And when we read this story, we, we wonder, why would God do that? Why would God give him a son, the son he had promised him, and then ask him to give that son back. And as we read the story, Abraham puts the wood for the sacrifice on his son Isaac's back. They go up the mountain to worship God where Abraham is going to sacrifice, Abraham is going to sacrifice Isaac. And he binds his son onto the wood, and as he prepares to take his son's life, God stops him. And God provides a ram that was caught in a thicket nearby to serve as the sacrifice. And as Abraham experiences this, he calls this place 
Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. This story is a beautiful picture of what God would do many years later when he would once again provide a sacrifice to take the place of man, to take the place of sinners. God would do this by providing his very own son, his son of promise, Jesus Christ. Jesus would be that sacrifice of atonement for the sins of the world. And the Lord provided his son so that the power of sin and death would be broken forever. And in all those who would repent of their sins and believe upon him would be saved and be forgiven. Jesus was the sacrificial lamb. Jesus was the one who had to die in our place. And praise God for how he has provided Christ. Praise God for how he has provided for us for our physical needs. Praise God for how he has provided for us spiritually by sending his son, Jesus Christ. And for fathers today, as we look at all that God has done for us and as we think about what does it mean for us to be providers for our families, I want us to think first that we are to provide for our physical needs of our family, food, clothing, shelter, and love. Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, that if anyone does not provide for his own family, especially for his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. I know that each of us have been skilled differently and we all have challenges in different circumstances, but our call as a father is to provide for our family's physical needs. And again, that goes back to that needs and wants conversation. We are to provide for their physical needs. I would submit to you that the needs, air quotes, that we have in the United States are well beyond what our physical needs. They're well into the wants category. And fathers, we should not be worried about that because we know that those good things that God has given us, those good things that God has provided, those should be the same good things that we are passing to our children. God also wants us as fathers, I believe, to be able to provide for some of the wants of our family. Scripture says that if your son asks you for bread, will you give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will you give him a snake? If then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? We certainly want to have some caution with providing for the wants of our children. I think that there are times when we do this to ex excess. And the great challenge is where is the breaking line of providing needs and then blatantly spoiling our children? I'm not here to answer that question for you. I just want us to be mindful of that as we do things for our children, that it is good for them to understand that their things come at a cost. It is good for them to earn things that they receive. It is good for them to not get everything that they want all the time. That's not child abuse. It's not. It's, it's called discipline. And today our world is confused about what discipline looks like. It, they're confused about 
providing for children. They, they believe that they should have what they want, when they want, however they want, regardless of what the parents say or what Scripture says. And it is our responsibility, fathers, not to just allow mom to be the ones to say no. It is our responsibility to be a leader in the house. It is our responsibility to, to train up our children in the way that they should go so that when they are older, they will not depart from it. And that primarily has to do with their spiritual upbringing, but it also has to do with their understanding of possessions. Finally, the thing that, that I see that, that, that God has provided for is he has he's provided for our spiritual needs. And, and fathers, we are to do the same. In Deuteronomy 6, the Lord our God is one, and that we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, our soul, and our strength. These words are given in Scripture so that we would know them and so that we would repeat them to our children, so that we would talk about them while we sit in our house and while we walk along road while we lie down, while we get up. If you've heard me talk about my, my experiences with my children and, and doing things through everyday life, there are times we spend a lot of time in the car. For good or bad, we spend a lot of time in the car. It has to do with, with, with um, having to drive to multiple sporting events. Some people says it has to do with just having six kids. But there's a lot of traveling in vehicles. And on regular occasions, my kids will tell you that their dad will launch into some rainbow, God's rainbows in the sky and promise about flooding the earth and talking about Noah or talking about how God has done something by providing protection when we have nearly avoided some sort of accident or talking about obeying God's law as someone flies by at like 95 on Gene Snyder, Right? But I use those opportunities as we go along to teach, to talk about God's word, to teach, to talk about what, what God has told us in his word. And my hope, hope is not that they'll remember, you know, the silly side of that story. My hope is that they'll remember the truth from God's word. My hope is that as they get older, they'll remember the things that, that I've taught them from God's word if they, if they get rid of all of the technology advice that I've given them, it's, it's probably worse, worthless anyway. I hope they chuck that and I hope they hold on to the times we have talked about God's word and about what God has done for us, about his faithfulness, about believing in his son Jesus Christ and repenting of our sins. As fathers, we have to provide for our children's spiritual needs. God has done that for us. We must emulate God in doing that We can rest assured that the Lord, who daily provides for millions of fish in the sea and myriads of birds in the air, will not suffer his own children to perish for lack of the things of this life. That is what Charles Spurgeon is quoted as saying. And I believe that that is 100% true. God who provides for all of his creation will not suffer his children to lack of things. So God has provided for us. The second thing I want us to see is that faithful fathers protect. That is to watch over, to guard. 
God is a protector. And he protects his children. He protects his bride, the church. He shields all who take refuge in him. If we look in scripture in Psalm 121, we'll see the protection that God provides for us. And if you want to turn there to Psalm 121, it's a short psalm. We'll actually, we'll, we'll, we'll read through this together. I lift my eyes toward the mountains. Where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. Your protector will not slumber. Indeed, the protector of Israel does not slumber or sleep. The Lord protects you. The Lord is a shelter right by your side. The sun will not strike you by day or the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all harm. He will protect your life. The Lord will protect your coming and going both now and forever. I hope that you heard the word protect. Because the psalmist is very clear about God's protection for his people. It begins with talking about looking to see where our help will come from. Our help comes from the Lord. As it moves into the second stanza there, verses three and four, it talks about not allowing your foot to slip. Your protector will not slumber. For those of you who have followed little children, those of you who have raised little children, how many times have you helped them by holding their hands as they walk or held their hands as you walk along a sidewalk near a road? We do that for their safety. We do that to help guide them. We do that to help prevent their foot from slipping. And their foot is prevented from slipping not because of their skill in walking. It is prevented because we have firmly got them in our hand. And I know some of you young fathers are reading that next sentence and you're like, man, I feel like I'm a protector because I am not sleeping, right? Those little ones require a lot of attention at night. But our God does not, our God does not sleep. He does not slumber. He's available to us 24-7, watching out, protecting over his children. He is our shelter. He will protect us from harm. Now, certainly we recognize as we read this, God is protecting us. God is not just protecting us physically. He's protecting us spiritually as well. And we see in Scripture that there are times when God's people suffer physically. But we are, not, we are to understand that God is not distant from them. He is there with them in their suffering. The example that we have in Scripture of God both providing for and protecting physically and spiritually, the best is probably Job. But we see him protecting Moses, Noah, Daniel, David. And as we look at what happened in the life of, of Job, we, we certainly see God's provision and protection both physically and spiritually. And yes, Job did suffer greatly physically, but God sustained him. And even in his suffering, it was not done without God's protection because God provided parameters around which Satan had to work in his tempting and in the trials that he gave Job. God only allowed Job to be tempted to a certain point. He only allowed Satan to, to, to afflict him to a certain point. 
God protected him from greater physical harm, and God protected his life, and God protected his faith. Because of all that Job was going through, as we read, we we recognize that Job was not able to see how God was working. And then as we get to Job chapters 38 and following, God shows up, and God begins to talk to Job and rebuke him and ask him where he was when the foundations of the world were laid. And Job is made aware that even in his circumstances, even in his suffering, that God had been there for him and had been protecting him and it was watching out for him and would restore him and would bless him. For God's people, we have this continued promise that he will never leave us nor forsake us. We see that multiple times in scripture. So regardless of the things that you're going through, regardless of the challenges that you're facing in life, you must remember the Lord has not forsaken you. He is with you. Even in your sufferings, even in your challenges, the Lord is with you, loves you, he cares for you. For faithful followers today, or for faithful fathers today, we are to imitate God protecting our families. As God was a protector of those who he loved, those who follow him, we are to protect our families physically. What does this look like for us today? I think in some cases it, it starts where you live. It starts with how you maintain and secure your home and provide a place for your family to dwell. There was a story recently that uh, Josh, Josh shared with me that, that made me laugh. He said that there was an account of a, a husband and wife who had a bear break into their home in the middle of the night. It broke in and came in the house. And they had children sleeping in the house. And the husband and wife shot and stabbed the bear to death while their children were asleep in the other room. And Josh gave me the greatest compliment when he said, I could see you and Liz doing that. (laughs) And I share that as parents, we will protect our children. It is within us to do everything within our power to protect our children. We have limited power. God's power is unlimited. We know the protection that he has provided. We know what he is capable of and what he has done for his people throughout history. We know what he is doing for us today. And as parents, that should drive us to emulate him in preparing and providing for our children. Fathers, we've got to be present in daily life. We have to watch over our children. Satan is is seeking whom he can devour. Where are your children allowed to go? Who has access to them? What do they have access to? We must be on guard on behalf of our families, on behalf of our children, because there are evil influences all around us. We used to talk about MTV Magazines, commercials, what they watch on television, all of that is in the rear view, right? The real battle today is taking place on a seven-inch screen. It's with them wherever they go. It's in their pocket. They have access to it many times at night. 
No one else is around. Children used to be concerned about their parents walking into the room if they were watching an MTV video that was a little lewd or off-color. Now they don't have to worry about that. They put their earbuds in and they disappear in the house somewhere else. People have access to them via messaging. There are influencers that are trying to influence them into doing things that the world says are good. As parents, we have more now that we have to be aware of, and we have more now that we have to be uh, cognizant of, and, and, and more now that we have to be restrictive of in some cases in order to protect our children. Who has their mind? Who has the influence on them? And my prayer is that it's you, the parents. My prayer is, fathers, that it's you. My prayer is that you are vigilant in your duty to watch over your children by protecting them physically, by protecting them spiritually. Even if they think that it's oppressive for you to check their phone, it doesn't matter. Tell them what I tell my children. I bought the phone. I pay for the bill. I'm responsible for what you see. I'm responsible for what you say. I don't care if this seems like what no one else's parents are doing. That's because I'm trying to raise you in a way that a lot of other parents are not. I'm trying to raise you in the path of righteousness. I'm trying to protect you from things that you may not be aware of. We have to be vigilant in raising our children and protecting them from the things of this world. Thirdly, I see faithful followers, uh, faithful fathers, excuse me, I continued to say that. I must have got that on the brain. Followers of Christ. Faithful fathers will prepare. And what I mean by that is that we will prepare our children by disciplining them, training them, instructing them, teaching them, and yes, dads, preaching to them. God's preparation for mankind began before creation. After God created the world, he gave Adam and Eve some instructions about living and interacting with him in the garden, and later, after the fall, he would give us the Ten Commandments. He would give us the law. He would give us his word. And God was preparing us for the eventual of his son. And as God prepared the people all along the way, the people at times would be faithful, but then they would fall away. God's word continued. God's message would continue to be delivered from the prophets. He would continue to work in the hearts of the people. He would preserve a remnant. He would continue to prepare them for the day when his son would come. And today, fathers, I, I, I see us working with our children in a similar way in that we, we must discipline them. Scripture says no discipline seems good at the time, but it yields righteousness in the life of the person who is being disciplined. It is beneficial to children to be disciplined. And I know that that's not a popular thing to say. There's, there's 
a certain contingent of our society that wants to allow our children to begin making the decisions as soon as they're allowed to talk. And parents are really there to fulfill wishes and requests. That is not what God's word says. Discipline can be anything as simple as taking out trash when your mother asks you to take trash. It can be as simple as we on Sundays are in church. We understand that there are lots of things that could pull you away, but we make it a priority to be in church, and this is why. Children need to understand what it means to have, they need to understand what it means to to help others, to serve others, to care for others, and to put others first in, in, in serving them. As we teach them these things, some of these things are are practical and some of these things are obviously very spiritual as I talk about serving of others. In the home, fathers, we have a teammate that helps us, our wife, but it is your responsibility as the father in the home. It is your responsibility as the head of the home to lead in the instruction and the discipline and the teaching and the preaching to your children. There's a little book. We like to share little books that, that, are, that are good for kids, that help our kids understand. This book is called Our Home is Like a Little Church. And I read this recently with, with some friends while we, were, while we were camping, and I'm only gonna read two pages so you won't have to listen to the whole thing again. It says, my family goes to Sunday church And we see the pastor there, and he teaches us the word of God and leads us all in prayer. We pray and praise God at our house. He makes our family glad. Our home is like a little church. The pastor is my dad. So the book continues on, and there's lots of good practical lessons there, drawing the connection between the church and the home. But fathers, the reason it is so important for us to be firm in our faith, to be firm in our understanding of his word, is because we are to teach it at home. And whether you think of yourself as a pastor or not, you are. You have a little church that meets in your house. You have the opportunity to study scripture with your children. You have the opportunity to teach them songs of praise. You have the opportunity to guide them in how to study God's word and how to read and understand it for themselves. These things are, are critical. They're as important as teaching a child how to feed themselves, how to live on their own. Sometimes we focus so heavily on just being successful and getting launched and having a job that we forget we're not preparing them for the spiritual battles of life. And I hope that you feel the weight of that. I hope that that you understand how important it is for us to lead in this manner at home. Because it is the calling upon your life if you have children to raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, the scripture says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, because this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, 
so that it may go well with you and you may live a long life in the land. Fathers, don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Faithful fathers must take our roles seriously. There is a penalty for apathy, dads, if we reject and are neglecting this duty. Judges 2, verse 10 says, And that generation also were gathered to their fathers, and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. Dads, that's what's at stake. We can't farm out the spiritual education of our children. We certainly can partner with and trust fellow Christians to teach them in Sunday school, to teach them in e-kids, the word of God to them from the pulpit on Sunday mornings, but it is our responsibility to train them up. It is our responsibility to explain to them who God is and what God has done. It is our responsibility to teach them about his son, Jesus Christ, and how we can receive forgiveness through faith in Jesus. So fathers, we've seen today that we are to provide, we are to protect, and we are to prepare just as our heavenly father has done for us. And we must take our job seriously. And as we prepare to close, I want to ask you a question. How is your relationship with your father? And while it's Father's Day, and our relationships with our earthly fathers are they're important, and I think it's good for us to have Father's Day when we're honoring our dads and thinking about our dads, I really want to know about your relationship with your heavenly father. I pray that you know him. I pray that you regularly talk with him in prayer and that you read his word and that you benefit from the provision and protection and the ongoing preparation that he's providing in your life for the time when his son Jesus Christ returns. But if that's not true of you today, if you're not a child of God, if you don't call him your heavenly father, if you've not trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, I want to tell you that it's not too late. You're sitting here. You're still breathing. You're still thinking. You're still listening, most of you. It's not too late. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to receive forgiveness of your sin. And oftentimes we rejections that people say, well, I've got to get some things cleaned up in my I've got some sin. I've got things that I know I've done wrong and I'm just a mess right now, right? I just want to say you're on the right path already. You're recognizing that you can't do this. You're recognizing that you've got problems. And what I'm telling you is that God is the one who can resolve them. It is through faith in Jesus Christ that our lives get cleaned up. It is not us who cleans them up before we come to Christ. The young man in our story that was read during our call to worship from Luke 15, 
realized that he had messed up. You see, in that story, the young man had asked for his inheritance from his father early. His father was still alive, and he said, well, give me what's mine. I want it now, right? And he took that, and he went to another land, and he spent that money on himself in loose living, and he was estranged from his father and his family for this period of time. And as he comes to the lowest point where he is feeding pigs and desiring to even fill his belly with the things that pigs are eating, he finally looks up from his low position and he remembers that even those who are working and serving in his father's home have it so much better than he does. And that's when we get to the scripture that, that Garth read for us from Luke 15, 18 through 24. And the young man says, I'll get up and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired workers. And so he got up and he went to his father. But while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. And he ran and threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father told his servants, quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then bring the fattened calf and slaughter it. And let's celebrate with a feast. Because this son of mine was dead and he is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they begin to celebrate. Today, friends, this is a a picture of how our heavenly father responds to those who repent of their sins and turn to him for salvation. He has compassion, he forgives, he restores, and he celebrates. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near to us. Repent and believe the good news. Please join me as we pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord God, we thank you for our fathers. We thank you for their influence in our life, Lord. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to be fathers who would pattern our lives, that would pattern the way that we provide, pattern the way we protect, pattern the way that we prepare our children, Lord, after what you have done for us. We pray, Lord God, that if there be one here today who does not know you as their heavenly Father, that today would be the day of salvation for them, that they would repent of their sins, that they would turn to you for forgiveness, Lord, that they could experience the love of of you, that they they would see you, Lord, as their heavenly Father. Lord God, we ask and pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.